0: 97.5 and 1280 the zone. We are joined now once again by BJ Rains, Boise State B Rider for the Idaho Press Tribune. He joins us on the T Mobile special guest line. T Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Good morning. How you doing?
1: I'm a T Mobile customer, so I can keep it going there. That's
0: there awesome. you go. Doing good. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Good. BJ Rains joining us. And you told us to have you back on when the games got closer. So, you know, we took it your word and we called you again. What the heck?
1: Nope. No problem. Happy to be on with you guys. Happy. Uh, we, we'd have been desperate over the summer or uh, in August to be talking about a game on Saturday. So I'll talk about it as much as we want now that it's here.
0: Yeah, so uh, for the people who aren't following the schedule real close, the Broncos are opening with Utah State. they got to play Air Force, and then they get BYU. So two out of the first three are against teams that, uh, you know, the fan bases are listening to this show and want the lowdown. So has Boise State made any progress since the last time we were talking to you? Are there questions you had then that have been answered now, or you're not getting to go to practice and talk to the people much? It's a COVID year, and you got the same questions.
1: Well, I mean, we have names to put at positions in terms of a depth chart, but I think the questions are the same. Are they going to be any good uh, when it comes to offensive line, defensive line? You know, they had, have to replace four new starters uh, along the defensive line, uh, four of five starters along the offensive line. And, you know, those are obviously big question marks. A lot of people, you know, the old adage that starts up front, and they've got a lot of newcomers on both sides of the ball. So we at least know on the depth chart who those starters are going to be, but what that means in terms of how the group looks – I think there's still a lot of question marks going into Saturday's game, but um, no, you know, we haven't gotten to watch any practice, you know, Boise state's kind of uh, a little bit tighter with the media than a lot of schools anyway. So I think they are, you know, perfectly happy, uh, not allowing the media to watch practice at all this, this fall because of COVID. And so we really have a lot of unknowns as to what they're going to look like. And, and we'll see how close the depth chart actually is, but uh, no, I, I think they, you know, that the offensive line and defensive lines are the big story lines with this team. And, Looking forward Saturday to see how that group uh, and a lot of young guys step up in their first games.
2: All right, so that offensive line, obviously, is potentially a huge question mark when you lose that many guys and big-time guys, too. But I'm wondering, though, when you look at it and take a deeper dive, I don't know if these guys are going to start, but I assume they are because you've got redshirt seniors in uh, what Stets, has got had four starts, Harrington three starts a couple years ago. Then you got some redshirt sophomores, and I, I think if you add them up, of the uh, not the returner, how do you say his name? Ojewuku, who's got like uh, John
1: Ojuku, yeah,
2: yeah, he's got eighteen starts, so he's really you know he's the mainstay. But the other guys, I think if you add up those other guys, I think they combine for something like ten starts. So it's not like they're starting entirely brand new, right?
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, they filled in a couple games last year, but a lot of those guys were filling in at different positions than they're at now. And um, they do have a Rice transfer. They got a grad transfer from Rice who's like 6'8", 3'10", or something. He's slated, I think, at right tackle to step in as the starter. So um, they feel pretty good about the tackle positions. Um, uh, it's just going to be interesting because, yeah, I mean, not only did they lose four starters, but they lost two that went to the NFL, a third-round draft pick. Uh, that's uh, just made his first start as a rookie at left tackle Ezra Cleveland for the Minnesota Vikings last Sunday, and then uh, the left guard John Mulchon, is in uh, practice squad with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they lost two guys on the left side of their line that were are now in NFL uh, you know teams. So you know it's there's you know not, and the other two starters were, were multi-year starters as well. So you're not just losing four starters you're losing four multi-year you know quality all Mountain west caliber players so um but you know this happened three years ago they lost four and then look at what those four and the four that took over ended up being so boise state recruits pretty well they're trusting their recruiting they're trusting that these you know redshirt sophomores and guys that are younger are ready for their time and and that they're going to be the next wave in a couple years that we're talking about being hard to replace so um you know they 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 feel pretty good about the group. It's just a a group that doesn't have a ton of experience. And even the one returner, John Ojuku, is switching from right tackle to left tackle. So they don't have anybody in the same spot as as last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, they they feel pretty good about it. But, again, you know, that's fine to say on a Zoom call with some reporters. But let's see what it looks like on Saturday. So I I think that um, they've got a little bit of experience, but certainly not what they had last year. And I, I think we'll find out about their recruiting and their development and stuff like that pretty early in this one.
0: So in the three or four games that they win big a year ago where they're winning by three, four, five touchdowns, do these guys get to play or are these guys come in literally with like six snaps under their belt?
1: No, they played some. I don't know the exact snap counts, but a lot of these, like a, Jake Stets played in all 14 games last year. And um, a lot of these guys that they put on like the field goal team and the punt team and some of that stuff. So um, these guys get some snaps. And they, they did, you know, the, the Utah State game last year, they probably got some playing time actually because I think that was what, 56-21 or something um, so I would assume in the, some of those games, yeah, they, they, they got they got some action. And so they, they certainly, they're, you know, like the previous question, it's not like they've never gone out on the field before, but uh, you certainly miss something when you're talking about a guy that started two or three games as a guy that started, you know, 40. So, I mean, it's, uh, it'll be interesting, and I think that's a huge question mark because they have a 1,000-yard rusher returning and they have a quarterback uh, returning that got injured twice last year from taking big hits. So they've got to find a way to keep him healthy this year, and that's a big storyline. And you've got to have a strong offensive line to, to be able to do that.
2: So Bachmeyer went seven and one as a starter as a freshman, and that's pretty doggone good, even with the injuries. A uh, Sears decides to transfer from SC. He played a game a couple years ago. I think he played one game for SC. Looked pretty decent in that game. Uh, is he pushing him at all, or is Bachmeyer the guy all the way? Bachmeyer is the starter, but it sounds like they want to get Jack
1: Sears involved in the game plan. So they've they routinely kind of mixed in a second quarterback. Even with Brett Ripon, they were mixing in another quarterback for a series here and there for some kind of run, read option stuff. So they, for whatever reason, they like the last couple of years playing multiple quarterbacks. They think it's harder for the other team to prepare for and in practice and things like that. So it sounds like Jack Sears will be in the game plan. Um, the difference is that he's, you know, similar to Hank Bachmeyer. He's a pocket passer. He's not some guy that's going to come in and run all over you. So, um, usually they like that secondary option to be a guy that can run a little more and, and make it a little more challenging. But, um, they, they, you know, you're, if you're a grad transfer and you have two years of eligibility, you're, you know, and you're visiting places like NC state and some other high quality places, you're not coming to Boise state to, to ride the pine. So it was a little surprising when, uh, he committed to Boise state because they had Hank Bachmeyer here, but, uh, He's clearly the number two, but uh, he's going to get some action. He's taken first, he's some first team reps in practice, and I think at some point, given what we saw with with uh, the injury history last year and a small sample size, I don't think it's crazy to expect Jay, you know Jack Sears to have to start a game at some point this year. So they feel really good about him. Um, you know, he started a Pac-12 game, a scholarship player. He was the number four ranked pro style quarterback in the country in like the 2017 class or whatever it was. So they feel really good about him. He's got some talent, but. They also think they have a special quarterback in Bachmeyer. And so I think Bachmeyer starts, but I would expect a player two here and there. You'll see Sears wrinkled in there on Saturday.
0: So you say Boise State just sent all these guys to the NFL. Is there another group of NFL prospects that uh, people are eyeing and thinking, okay, this guy's the next big thing? And, and so is this guy?
1: Yeah, they got a couple on offense in particular the tight end, John Bates. He's 6'7, 250 um you know he kind of has fallen victim to a lot of the recent wide receivers they've had you know last year they had a fifth round draft pick at wide receiver too and john hightower uh who had a huge game i believe against utah state last year um you know so you know he just you know you look at the numbers you say okay 22 catches last year for like 270 yards and you know, it's, they don't jump off the page but he's six seven two fifty. 250 he's very athletic um, he can do a lot of things and, and they really think there's a chance that he could be not only drafted but be drafted fairly high uh, if he were to have a strong senior year this year so I think John Bates at tight end number 85 um, you know like I said he doesn't wow you in terms of like crazy production but he's a solid player he's a, and he'll you know they want to get him more involved in the passing game this year and then at wide receiver number two Khalil Shakir uh, he was a four-star player chose Boise State over like UCLA and some other Pac-12 schools and Uh, Came in as a true freshman two years ago and played some, uh, and then last year really kind of took emerged as a solid player. And they think now with Hightower gone, you know, Shakir here is a true junior. Uh, is going to you know, clearly be the kind of weapon on offense. Uh, he can run the ball, and he can do some things in, the, in terms of uh, wildcat formation, and then he's a dynamic wide receiver as well. So I think on offense, number two, Khalil Shakir is the guy that if he has a strong season, he also could uh, you know, he could contemplate an early entry to the NFL draft after this season. So I think those two guys, and then you mentioned John Ojuku, the left tackle, you know, the last seven Boise State, he had six or seven, I forget now, I think Ezra Cleveland was a seventh. A left tackles at Boise State that have started for multiple years got drafted into the NFL, and uh, he's a junior, so if he were to start two years, um, you know he could become the eighth straight left tackle at Boise State to go into the NFL, and I think they feel pretty good about that as well.
2: Defensively, you talked about how they're going to be uh, inexperienced up front, losing all those guys, but the back end with the five guys they've got listed, it seems like they've got a lot of experience there.
1: Yeah, and a lot of experience at linebacker too. They added an NC State transfer, Brock Miller, who started I think eleven games at NC State last year, um, and he's not even listed as a starter on the depth chart. That's how strong they are at linebacker right now. So they got four or five guys they're going to rotate in there. They feel really good that linebacking core has a chance to be probably the strength of the team. And in the secondary, they did lose, you know, two safeties to Pac-12 schools as grad transfers. DeAndre Pierce went to play for his dad, who's a coach at Arizona State for his last year. And then Jordan Apple kind of surprised people like two days before training camp started and announced uh, transfer back home to where he's from near the Portland area to Oregon. So they lost, you know, a pair of safeties to pac 12 schools and lost a returning starter. And in, in Kekoa Nalahine, who uh, you know, was the leading tackler the last couple of years when he added it all up. And so they, they lost some, Pretty good depth at safety, but they feel the two guys they have, J.L. Skinner, a true sophomore. He's like six four. They really love his physicality, and Tyreek Jones is a is a six two athletic kid as well. They feel like they have some size in the back end, some talent there, and you mix that in with two, you know, returning uh, starting corners, two All Mountain West corners. Um, you know, Jalen Walker was second team All Mountain West last year. Avery Williams, uh, you know, a preseason Mountain West player, you know, multiple years, and is also the special teams player of the year in the Mountain West. You know He's very athletic, was the only player in the, in the country that had you know, multiple touchdown returns and multiple you know, blocked kicks. Uh, he blocked two kicks and also had two punt returns for touchdowns. So he's a dynamic player, and he's a guy they count on a corner as well. So they feel pretty good about the back seven. It's just getting that front four to step up, I think, is going to be the question in terms of how dominant this defense can be.
0: How much do Boise State fans enjoy uh, dominating the teams from Utah?
1: What is the overall number now? I know it's crazy. I know they add it up every year. Because it's, it's, uh, it, it, I think even against Utah, they're like 2-0 and o or something. I forget the exact number, and I apologize. but uh, They're 4-0
0: they're against Utah.
1: Okay. And so what's yeah. the combined number with the three?
0: Uh, it's 4-0 against Utah, and it is seven and 7-3 against BYU, I think. And, okay. and Utah I think, State's like, got 16, 16 one win of the last
1: 17 or something. Yeah, like 16 of the last 17 against Utah State or something. Yeah. I think I looked that up. They were 16 and one or something in the last 17 against Utah State. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I don't, I don't think there's anything to it. Or I don't, you know I don't know you know Boise State doesn't really recruit Utah that much. They have a couple guys um, you know that, that are from the area, and, 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 but really that's not a huge recruiting hotbed for them. So I don't know what it is. It's not like guys are trying to go stick it to their. Other schools, um, they've lost players to some of those schools. Actually, you know, the, with Zach Wilson was a Boise State commit before he went to BYU. So um, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, the BYU one. There's a ton of BYU fans in Boise. Um, there's this the, the Mormon population is very large in the Boise area, and so I know that's always a huge game in terms of the you know rivalry with fans and things like that in here. But I, I think it's just kind of a weird thing where all three of those schools, Boise State's, happen to have success with for the most part. I don't think it's a any, any, you know, thing that goes between that combines the three its just kind of a, a weird thing. But they have had a lot of success, and that is a big deal they talk about up here.
2: Yeah, interestingly, one of the Utah guys is uh, Kyle Whittingham's sister's son, so his nephew, Jackson Cravens, who is listed mm-hmm. uh, as a backup uh, up front. He's a defensive lineman. so They're expecting big things
1: from him, actually, yeah. He, he transferred in from Utah and redshirted last year, and he's not listed as a starter, but he is a guy they expect to be heavily involved in the rotation. I've heard good things about Jackson's.
2: What's the deal as far as fans being allowed in the stadium?
1: No fans, no band, no cheerleaders. They're not even letting Buster Bronco, the mascot, in there. Uh, no. yeah, it's uh, nobody. I mean, I, I think it's like the first time in 40 years or something they're not even going to let the mascot in there, and he's wearing a mask. He has a helmet, he has a mask on. I don't know why you can't at <laughs> least come in there, but I guess if there's no fans, there's no reason for the mascot to be there. But, yeah, they're, they're not even letting players' parents come in and watch the games. It's kind of been a big deal up here. It's uh, people are not happy. They started a petition. The players' parents did to try to at least get the players' parents, the coaches, you know, wives can't even come in and watch the game. Um, it, it's literally going to be empty, and so they're going to have pumped crowd noise in there. Um, you know, during gameplay, the limit is 70 decibels. So they they count that as from when the center touches the ball to when the play is over the mountain West says you cannot go higher than 70 decibels. But between, between that, you know, and between when they're in the huddle and things like that, you can jack it up as loud as you want. So Boise States and messing with some different <laughs> levels and some different sound and music and things like that and crowd noises and cheers and stuff. So I'll be very curious. They're going to, they're claiming, they're going to try to do the best they can. They've got some cardboard cutouts that people bought, you know, and things like that in the stands But it, you know, they're, they're going to try to make a, empty stadium have an atmosphere of where there's usually 36,000 people. And I don't know how that's going to go, but I mean, I'll tell you this, I was researching for a story guys uh, this week, uh, you know, Boise state, the opponents have false started more inside Albertson stadium during the 2018 and 2019 season than any opposing team in the country. I mean, they opponents average more than uh, 3000, I three, excuse me, 3.43, uh, 3.43 false starts per game inside Albertson Stadium, and that's the highest number in the country. So uh, you're talking about literally a home field advantage that causes more false starts than anywhere else in the country, and you're not going to have that crowd behind you. So I think if there was ever a year for Utah State and BYU and these teams to come into the blue and feel better about themselves, it's definitely this year where there's not going to be any fans because that is a huge difference that's not going to help Boise State.
0: Hasn't Boise State lost like six home games in 15 or 17 years or some crazy number like that?
1: Yeah, they're uh, 120 and 9 going back to 2000, I believe.
0: That's a lot of winning. Pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and even like last year, I looked at the stats. Like, Boise State gave up 13 touchdowns at home and 26 on the road. Like, the stats are just so crazy. I mean, it's like a touch 15 points a game at home as opposed to like 28 on the road last year. Um, I mean, like I said, in the false starts, are, you know, no, nobody gets penalized more for false starts. I it, it is a legitimate. You know Rocky Long tried to downplay it and became an enemy here in town by saying there 's no mystique to playing on the blue turf and all that stuff i mean it is a it is a legitimate home field advantage with the way the stadium's built and and the majority of the seats are in the upper deck so they're and they 're kind of on top of you coming down onto the field so the way the noise is there, it just gets really, really loud in there and, and um it is a legitimate. You know, I've been to a lot of stadiums, and it's legitimate home field advantage, and and um, that's a big storyline that they're not going to have. They they play much better at home. They have a big advantage, and it's it's largely negated. So I mean, yeah, it's no one. You know, nine losses in the last 20 years or whatever at home. They were undefeated at home last year. Um, they just don't lose very often at home, and when they do, it's by you know a point or two. They don't, and so I think that's a big deal. And I think for Utah State and BYU, they they got lucky so to speak that the, the calendar turned for them to play the games here in Boise this year where there's not going to be any fans
0: well Rocky has two of those nine so I guess he's the one who gets to say that and it's such it's such a Rocky we were interviewing him when he was in New Mexico it's such a Rocky thing to say
1: yeah yeah it was a couple years ago Mountain West media days and you know how us writers try to get any clickbait stuff we can get so we I think I think after he said that one year we asked him about it like four years in a row to try to drum it back up and um and uh yeah that's uh he's He's not, uh, you know, won't be winning the governor's race or anything here in Boise anytime soon.
0: BJ Rains, he's a beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune covering Boise State. Thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it.
1: No problem, guys. Should be fun on Saturday. Take care.